The following podcast is brought to you by Pro Wrestling Connect, Australia's newest choice for event management and brand development specialising in pro wrestling. And now, now the B Plus Wrestling Podcast. podcast. Watch global. global. Support local. local. It's the B Plus Wrestling Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Wrestling Landscape Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Larson, and the Wrestling Landscape Podcast is the casual wrestling podcast, the informal wrestling podcast, and tonight I am drinking tequila over ice with some lemon juice, and it is not half bad. Yes, I am back to my drinking liquor gimmick. It has returned, but the tequila bottle is almost gone, so I don't know for how many episodes that will continue. Folks, it is going to be a big, big weekend in the world of professional wrestling. It is SummerSlam weekend. It has officially kicked off. Well, a couple days ago, if you're living in Toronto, as there have been indie shows since Wednesday, but we're not talking about those today. We were talking about Ring of Honor Summer Supercard from Friday, August 9th in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, the Great White North. We are going to review this show as it kicks off the major events of the weekend with NXT TakeOver Toronto tomorrow, SummerSlam on Sunday, and the G1 A Block Finals on Saturday, G1 B Block Finals on Sunday, G1 Climax Tournament Finals on Monday. So in terms of just major promotions, it's a busy-ass weekend. Because on top of that, you also have CMLL's usual Friday show. And a AAA is running a TV taping, a Twitch special on Saturday night. And then, of course, there's all those indies running this week in Toronto. Uh, Smash, OWE, Progress, WXW, Femme Fatales, Rise, Shimmer, Shine... Uh, Greek Town, Puma King's Lucha Vacation. I'm sure I'm, sh- I'm forgetting something, but that should that should cover most of it. Anyway, of the major promotions running Toronto this weekend, Ring of Honor kicked it off in what I thought was a thumbs up show. I enjoyed the wrestling. I thought there were several above average matches. I think some good signs moving forward with the company. But not life-saving signs. It's a big difference between having a good show, having some promise for some future angles, but nothing really hot to turn business around. We have talked many times on this podcast. Other podcasts have talked about it. Basically, every wrestling news outlet that covers Ring of Honor has talked about it. 
Business is down. Business is down hard for Ring of Honor. I'm sure you've seen the pictures of the seat availability for upcoming Ring of Honor shows. Things do not look good. I don't think anything on this show is going to turn anything around for them. Some things look good. I think some possible future angles for some things that show some promise. Nothing life-saving. Nothing hot. Nothing buzzworthy. Which, I think, can be in part some continued poor choices by management. So, Jeff Cobb was not on the show. He's in G1. Obviously, there was no way in hell he was going to make Toronto. So, that can be excused. It's a partnership. Whatever. They did just fine. However, another big star, Marty Skrull, was not advertised for the card. Which is mind-blowing. But we'll talk about that more later on. I think this company, in the next 6 to 12 months, needs to make some game-changing decisions internally about booking, who's being pushed, how they're putting their TV together, and who the fuck they're advertising. Otherwise, Ring of Honor is in very real danger of falling to the fifth biggest promotion in the United States. Talked about this a lot on the Wrestling Landscape podcast. In terms of revenue, exposure, drawing ability, WWE's number one. AEW, in terms of all three of those categories, is probably maybe not quite at number two. But the second TV starts in October, they will be at number two, so there's no sense in not putting them there. So I got AEW number two for those categories. New Japan at number three. Some folks might disagree with you. would be like, oh, they only run so often, so of course they can draw better. Listen, Ring of Honor's been around a long-ass time. They hit 6,000 once in their 17-year history. New Japan's done over four, what? Three times? In how many how many shows have they ran here? Twelve? New Japan's number three. If they really wanted to, if they ponied up and did like a fucking Dominion here in the United States, they could get close to ten. I really think they could. If they did some research, studied some analytics. Found out which market would be best for them. They did a fucking Dominion in Madison Square Garden. They sell 10,000. New Japan's number three. Now, number four is where tougher conversations happen. Because Ring of Honor, who two years ago was a solid number two in this country. They dropped to four or have they dropped to five? Because, first of all, they are not drawing nearly as well as New Japan. That's established. I will not hear that Ring of Honor is more popular in the United States than New Japan. But MLW 
is very much on the rise, with every indication that they're going to continue rising. I think Ring of Honor is currently at number four, with MLW at five. But the way things are trending, by the end of this year or early next year, it might be pretty safe to say that Major League Wrestling is the fourth most popular promotion in the United States, and Ring of Honor's fifth. Unless Ring of Honor makes some smart moves, perhaps some drastic moves, that's the way the land is going to be laid in the next six months or so, in my opinion. This is wrestling. Lots of crazy shit can happen. Major League Wrestling could just go to the shits. So Ring of Honor remains uncontested for number four. Because Impact, certainly, is nowhere near contesting number four. With their TV TV deal with Access looking still alive, I suppose, but not in good shape. And seemingly unable to advance out of this quagmire that they've been caught in. Maybe Ring of Honor makes the killer signing. Maybe they get a new booker. Things can happen. Ring of Honor does not have to drop to fifth in this country in terms of revenue exposure and drawing ability. But it looks like they might. That's my prediction. Okay. Let's jump into the show itself. And we'll conclude with some more big picture thoughts for Ring of Honor as well. With the context of the show. Opening up. I do believe there was a dark match. They did a 10-bell salute for Harley Race. Very much understandably. And they cut to um, Beer City Bruiser who looked like he had just had a match. He was in gear, he was sweaty, he was breathing, so I had assumed he had had the dark match. Um, I've not seen any reports on that. It's possible that could be on Honor Club, could be an upcoming TV episode. But the opening match of the show, of the pay-per-view, was Villain Enterprises, PCO and Brody King, taking on Vinny and TK of the Kingdom. This was a decent match. It's nothing special. But... The Canadian PCO gets the pin in the opening match of a contest happening in Toronto. So clearly it was just used as an opener to get the crowd in it, get excited about the Canadian getting the win and moving on from there. So because of that, it was fine. Clearly working something specific for the local crowd. Can't knock it. Real solid opener. Thumbs up match for what it was, in my opinion. Um, listen, I get that PCO is very popular for Ring of Honor fans and non-Ring of Honor fans in some ways. I don't think he was a smart signing. I really don't. I think the money spent on PCO could have been used on someone younger Someone who has a better chance of strengthening the roster. Maybe investing in Women of Honor 
Instead, they spend it on this older, not terribly in shape, wrestler who is insistent on doing these crazy bumps in all of his matches. So who knows how long he will last. I don't think PCO is a smart signing. I get Prody King. He's very good. He's still young enough to matter, I think. Um, uh, to, to matter to the long-term health of the company. You know what I mean. So, I don't think PCO was a good signing for Ring of Honor. This company needs to be thinking about the future, especially when they were making these signings as Cody and the Young Bucks were moving on. Now, if they made some other good young signings, I would have been fine with it. I think he's a fine addition to the roster. Clearly, he's an overact. So maybe if they had some focused on maybe some hotter, younger guys. And by hot, I'm not talking about attractiveness. I'm talking about buzz and the biz. But all things considered, I don't think PCO is a great signing. I think looking to Australia or Europe, for some younger signings, for some more talented signings, if I can be frank, would have been better for the future health of Ring of Honor. Um, afterwards, after PCO and Brody King get the win, the Kingdom and the Bouncers have an angle setting up a future match of them. They had had angles previously on TV leading up to this. So this was just further in that. Next, we had Silas Young versus PJ Black scheduled. But PJ Black came out for his match. Silas Young came out in street clothes and was like, Hey, Jay Brown, I already beat you. I've done all these things in Ring of Honor. So until you have accomplished more in this company, you are not worth my time. He leaves. Silas Young won their previous match with a low blow. So clearly they're building something future with these two. Or at least that would make sense. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to follow that. But that's what he looks to me. So, PJ Black grabbed the mic. He's like, hey, I just want to wrestle. I love wrestling. Saw a couple boys in the back. Might be ready to go. Someone wants to. Please come out. So, Marty Skrull comes out to have a one-on-one -on -one match with PJ Black. Marty is arguably Ring of Honor's most popular talent. And he obviously had availability for this show. Why wasn't this just the scheduled match from the beginning? It's obviously far more marketable than Silas Young versus PJ Black. No offense to Silas Young. And it's not like they couldn't have sold a few more tickets in the building. Plenty of seats looked available to me from their numerous camera angles that showed numerous empty seats. But these two had a very good match, real solid work, tons of action, lots of fun. I just don't know why this wasn't on the books from the beginning, or if it was, why this wasn't advertised from the beginning. You would think Skrull can draw a few tickets. Hopefully that's why you signed the guy. But what the hell do I know? This match is exactly what you'd expect from these two, so if you've seen um either of these two wrestle before... You can imagine what this match would be like. And it's exactly that, to be honest. So, lots of fun. Still just a second match on the show. 
contest, so they weren't going for some kind of classic. Rhett Titus was guest commentary on this as a babyface. This dude has no charisma. I, this man is as flat as something really flat. I couldn't believe it. It's flat as a beer that's been opened for three days. I don't know what other comparison to make. This, I just, it was, it was mind boggling. Next. Moving on. So yeah, but anyway, PJ Black lost, before we move on, before we move on, PJ Black lost to Marty Skrull, which makes sense. Skrull's a bigger star, he gets the win. But it looked like you were building a feud with PJ Black and Silas. So I, I don't know where Black goes from here. He comes off a loss, so he's going after Silas now. That makes weird sense to me. Silas just said, you gotta prove yourself in this company, and then maybe I'll give you a rematch. And then Black goes out and loses. Clearly, he didn't prove himself. Just kind of seems bizarre. Again, why wasn't Scroll Black just scheduled and advertised? That way you don't have that weird challenge from Silas, so that when Black loses, doesn't look like a geek. It's bizarre to me. But let's move on. Kelly Klein defending the Women of Honor title over Tasha Steeles. So... This was the worst match on the card, in my opinion. But it was better than I expected. Which I don't know is saying how much that's saying. Because I truly do have very low expectations for Kelly Klein. The last two matches I've seen of hers have exceeded those expectations. So maybe I expect too low of her. But it's not like she's out here having great matches. I, for long time listeners of both the B plus and the wrestling landscape podcasts I've used as you have heard me on both rant and rave about the plethora, the myriad of female talent out there. And yet very average wrestlers continue to be signed to these large American promotions. It is mind boggling to me. Some of the mid-card women wrestlers in WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor. Blows my mind. Impact I don't judge quite as harshly. One, because they have Tessa Blanchard and Jordan Grace. Two of the best American women wrestlers today. And they're a much smaller promotion. So you got those two on top. You also got Taya. That's... they Come to think of it, Impact actually is a really solid women's division. Hell of a lot better than Ring of Honors. AEW is very disappointing to me. So I I guess I'd still put it below AEW just because the top talent AEW can command. But fuck. Britt Baker, Brandy Rhodes, Allie, Leva Bates. Blows my mind that they are signed to top-tier companies in this country. Kelly Klein as well. I just, there's so many good wrestlers out there. How the hell is Chris Statlander not signed? Why is AEW not using Kata from AAA? Look at Kellyanne, Jessica Troy, Madison Eagles. 
from Australia. I don't know, man. Just don't know. That's just a few names. There's more. Mercedes Martinez. Haven't even gotten into Japan yet. I don't know why these women divisions for these American, major American companies aren't better. Mind-boggling to me. Absolutely mind-boggling, the talent they choose to sign. Anyway. And for Ring of Honor, that goes for the men, too. Like, I'm, I know I'm, I'm ragging on the women's divisions for the American companies, but like for Ring of Honor, it's a lot of the talent they've signed in general is a little head scratching. Anyway, so the match itself was fine. Uh, I shouldn't say that. There were still plenty of sloppy spots that took me out of it. A horrible tope suicida from Steeles. A horrible half and half suplex from Klein. It was still better than I thought it was. Or, I'm sorry, than I thought it would be. Kelly Klein retains. Keeps the Woman of Honor title. Angelina Love of the Allure attacks afterwards, setting up that red-hot feud that everyone can't wait to see. Angelina Love got the pin over Kelly Klein in a tag match at 17th anniversary, so I thought she would be the next contender. Clearly, they just wanted to drag this out more by giving Steele's number one contender win so that she's next in line. Love was protected in that number one contenders match. Keep her strong to challenge for Klein afterwards. No one cares about that feud. No one wants to see that feud. The only four people on planet Earth that want to see that feud are the three members of Allure and Bully Ray. I really am positive on the show. I promise. We are basically past a good chunk of the stuff I didn't like, but there's there's more to come. Like I said, I enjoyed the wrestling on the show. The show as a whole was a thumbs up, but what the show means for the direction of the company, I don't think that's a thumbs up. I think it's a thumbs middle. I really do. This company needs something hot to start selling tickets again. They did not do that here. Next, we did have a hot match, though. And I think they are pivoting incorrectly off this match. Incorrectly is too strong of a word. I think they're pivoting in a good direction off this match. At the expense of pivoting off a great direction from this match. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey guys, just a reminder, if you want to hear all of these wonderful B-plus podcast episodes completely ad-free, make sure you head over to Patreon or Podbean, where we are the featured podcast this week. You can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month, up to $10 a month, where anything you want to help us with, it really helps out. It's going to help us grow the site. It's going to help us redesign some things. And everything that we get through this and through the advertising as well is all going straight back into the podcast so that we can get Aussie Graps out there for the rest of the world to hear about, for the rest of the world to see, so we can grow this mission of watch global, support local, and build indie wrestling. So if you want to be a part of that and get some really cool rewards like call-in shows, bonus episodes, ad-free like I mentioned, then head over to patreon.com slash the B plus and subscribe today. Hey everyone, just want to take a second to tell you about one of our new sponsors, Outbreak Nutrition. Outbreak Nutrition are creating supplements for survival, sharper minds, quicker reflexes, 
all the energy you need to take your performance to the next level, whether that be on the field, in the gym, on the gaming field. That's right. They have specifically designed gaming supplements as well to help you focus on those late night sessions. They even sell coffee, you guys, at Outbreak Nutrition. You can get coffee pods. You can get coffee beans. You can get supplements for the bedroom as well if you want to enhance your performance there. These are performance enhancing supplements for every aspect of your life, specifically designed by gamers for gamers to stay fit and healthy in the gym, to stay sharp and focused on the game, and to dominate in all areas of life. So check out OutbreakNutrition.com, and for being a listener of our podcast, they will give you 10% off your order when you enter the code B+. That is B-P-L-U-S at checkout. So make sure if you want to stay on top of your game, if you want to take your performance to the next level, OutbreakNutrition.com, enter the code B+, at checkout. Bandito and Mark Haskins defeat Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham. This was a very good match. I really, really liked this match. Obviously, all four of these are very good wrestlers. Excellent. I don't think there was a chance in hell this match wasn't going to be very good. And it was very, very good. Gresham is doing his uh, likes-to-cheat gimmick, his heelish stuff I'm not a fan of. Don't know why he's not just a straight-laced babyface. I don't, I don't get it, but whatever the fuck, Lethal is not a fan of that, obviously, the perennial baby face, the fucking John Cena of Ring of Honor. I like Lethal and Gresham as a tag team, obviously they have teamed several times before, particularly to some acclaim last year, and I just feel like Jay Lethal needs something new in his career, and even though I don't like the heel Gresham, maybe a heel tag team of Lethal and Gresham. Is something to keep Lethal fresh, give him something new to do. And they're both very good, so obviously they could have some very good matches. As they did here. Haskins got the victory over Lethal by putting him in the sharpshooter and making the former Ring of Honor World Champion tap, as commentary emphasized strongly after the match. Highlighting the fact that Haskins got the win which makes it seem like he's the person out of this match that's going to get the push. Listen, why in the flying fuck is it not Bandito? I am nowhere near the first person to say this. Can't even say this is originally my idea. But Jesus, Bandito should have been someone pushed very, very strongly in this company from day one through today. He should be much, much higher in this company. He should be TV champ. He really should. Don't know why the fuck this company does not see more promise in Medito. Everyone's saying it's because his contract is short and is up soon. End of the year. That's not a good enough reason, I don't think. Bandito is clearly a hot and overact in this company. A company that needs a hot and overact to actually gain some eyeballs on their fucking product, which they have lost at an alarming rate. And he's still not the guy highlighted in this match, even when he's on the winning team. That said, Mark Haskins is very good. 
If he starts moving up the ranks, I am thrilled about that. He's a good choice to push out of this match, but Bandito would have been a great choice to push out of this match. So I disagree with him there. Next, we were supposed to have Tracy Williams challenging Shane Taylor for the TV title, but Flip Gordon, newest member of Villain Enterprises, coming off his heel turn, attacked Tracy Williams with a kendo stick. Tracy Williams sold his left arm. And they said the TV title match would be postponed so that Tracy Williams could have some time. Dumb fucking angle. Absolutely unnecessary. This is Attitude Era bullshit. Just have the fucking match. Why did why does Flip have to attack him and do this fucking angle? Like, why do you have to fucking corrupt the integrity of the fucking TV title match? Goddamn. Next, it's so funny. I really enjoyed the show watching it because I really liked the wrestling. But it's the booking and the angles and the stories and the psychology that they imbued into these matches that's dragging the show down because of what it means for the future direction of the company. Next, we had Roosh defeating Dalton Castle in a no-DQ match. I don't think anyone expected this match to have any other result. Roosh was obviously going over. This match was too long. I, they should have done 10 to 12 minutes, 12 being the absolute max, of just doing a hot brawling spots. And just tried to make it as short, as intense as possible. This was a brawl, start to finish. And it wasn't always good. There were some bright spots, but they were separated by some very dull and inactive and lame, frankly, brawling. Roosh is an excellent brawler. Watch her in New Mexico sometime. He's very good at it. Did not come across well here. I don't know if it was the cultural difference. This is a Canadian crowd as opposed to a Mexican crowd. And just the way they see brawling maybe is different. I don't know. But if I was live in attendance, this brawl wouldn't have gotten over with me. You know, and I feel like I watch enough lucha to be able to enjoy a good lucha brawl. Just to not come across as that. So I don't think that was the reason. But overall, it was fine. Still liked the match, I think. I think it still grabbed that gentleman's three for me. Sarush is very good. He's getting a strong push. He's still undefeated in this company. But I think Ring of Honor is pushing the wrong luchador. Bandito connects with the audience much, much better. Than Roosh does. Bandito's much more over than Roosh. Get that there's a better chance of Roosh being loyal to the company. Because Roosh has contracts both with Ring of Honor and CMLL. CMLL is his home. He's certainly not leaving CMLL. And it looks like CMLL's and Ring of Honor's partnership is strong. So very, very little chance of Roosh leaving, abandoning Ring of Honor. Still be pushing Bandito. Just hearing everyone's thoughts on it, watching these shows, now the crowd reacts to Bandito. I think, uh, I think it was uh, Joe Lanza, Voices of Wrestling, who I first heard articulate 
that opinion that Bandito needs to be pushed. We'll give credit to him on that. I wholeheartedly agree. Anyway, Roosh gets the win. Next, we had a video package talking about Joe Hendry getting signed. That's a horrible Scottish accent. Um, video package about Hendry. Um, listen, he's he'll be fine. I haven't seen a lot of Joe Hendry. The stuff I have, he's fine. He's he's fine. I just that is this really where the money's going? Like, there aren't better acts out there to sign. All the women I listed earlier to help round out the Women of Honor division, which everyone universally agrees is the shits. On top of that, plenty of good wrestlers out there. Male or female, or non-binary. You might have to look outside the U.S. for some of the gems. Maybe some folks that a lot of people haven't seen yet, so they're fresh. Australia has plenty of talent. Continental Europe has plenty of talent. I don't think Joe Henry's going to do a damn thing for this company. He's fine. He'll run out the mid-card nicely. He's not going to suck or hurt business. I just think these folks need a different mindset and who the fuck they're signing. Maybe to find an identity for this company, as others have noted. Maybe they should lean into just high-flying and technical wrestling. Only sign folks that fall strongly into one of those two categories. Start pushing the flyers like Bandito. Start pushing the technical wrestlers like Gresham and Haskins and Williams. That way you get a little more focus on the ring. The in-ring stuff. Let's be real, your personalities aren't selling tickets. Skrull and PCO are the only ones with enough personality to sell tickets. <coughs> Everyone else, you got to get over on the wrestling. Anyway, speaking of getting over on your motherfucking wrestling, we had Caristico, Soberano Jr., and Stuka Jr., Defeating Aegisero, Templario, and Barbaro Cabernario. This match was fucking awesome. It was absolutely a lucha match. Sometimes you see some luchadors have a match elsewhere. And it's like there's obviously some lucha spots and some lucha, lucha psychology. But it's not like it's still like Americanized or Japaneseized. I'm sure that's not a word, but you know what I mean. This match was transplanted straight out of Arena Mexico. Like, it was one fall instead of two out of three falls, like Samuel L. usually does. And the second act was slightly Americanized. And the heat a little bit with a focus on just two workers in there. For, for a few minutes. But besides that, like, this exact same match, move for move, the exact same pacing, the exact same playing to the crowd, would have gotten over in Reno, Mexico. Even still being one fall... Smash would have gotten over in Arena Mexico. And you know what? It got over in Toronto as well. People fucking loved this match. I fucking loved this match. I hope to God Ring of Honor learns a lesson from this fucking match. I'm sure a lot of people in the crowd could not have named a single one of these wrestlers. I would love to know the percentages of that. 
And I'm sure there's some that could name some. But I'm sure there's very few that knew all six. These guys got over based on their fucking wrestling. The high flines. The awesome technical wrestling. The cool strikes. The creativity was awesome. The winning team of Karistico, Soberano Jr. and Suka Jr. They are Technicos. They are baby faces. for those of you that don't know. I would love for them to come back to Ring of Honor. Maybe challenge for a trios ch- title. That'd be fucking great. It's tons of trios matches in Mexico. These guys are used to working six-mans. Maybe even have them win. Maybe this win here is a launch towards that. That'd be great. Or if not, at least bring back Karistico. Maybe give him a bit of a push. This guy's a fucking megastar. Or he was in Mexico, at least. He got the win here with his finisher, La Mystica. Looked strong. At least bring him back. And take a lesson from the style of match that got, that got over. It was hot, with tons of creativity, and lots of action. Lean into that. Instead of signing folks like Joe Hendry, who's fine. He's a good wrestler. Sounds like I'm burying Joe Hendry. I'm not. If this company had a lot of hot talent up top, I'd probably be thumbs up about that signing. Great guy to run out the mid-card. But he's another signee that shows they're willing to sign talent from outside North America and all these other Europeans and Australians and some South Americans, to be honest, are getting overlooked. Mick Moretti would be so much more of a fresh signing than Joe Hendry. Damien Slater could... No, 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 no. The Untouchables. Damien Slater and Martius Pitt could come in instantly and have awesome tag matches. Think about them against Lethal and Gresham. It'd be fucking great. Or Team White Wolf. Akid and Carlos Romo. If Akid hasn't already signed with NXT UK. But you had a chance months ago. Akid's name got hot last fall. Before Bucks and Cody left. Before NXT UK started sniffing around. You could have signed him then, Ring of Honor. What about Chilean Empire? An awesome heel tag team. Sinner. Shaco. Both from Chile. Great high-flying baby faces. Deadly Sims from New Zealand. I'll stop there. I shouldn't. I can't just keep listing talent they should have signed. Anyway, I hope they learn a lesson from this Lucha Six Man. Awesome match. Crowd loved it. I loved it. Check it out. Very much a, a Lucha match. Next, we had Matt Taven retaining the world title over Alex Shelley. This was a very good match, too. I really, really liked this match. And I wasn't so sure I would. I'm not the biggest Taven fan. Don't think he sucks. Don't think he's the right guy to be world champion for this company, especially with the position that they're in. He is clearly not helping business. Now, I don't think he's particularly the reason why business is as down as much as it is. I think he's a part of it. And even if he's not, even if he's indifferent to business, he's not affecting it at all. If he's benign to it, He's certainly not helping. 
And they, they need to start coming up with plans fast to find out something that would help. They did, they did an angle after the match that we'll talk about in a minute. Don't know if that's the right choice, but I guess we'll see. Alex Shelley, in his return match, after being gone for a year or so, worked very, very hard. I thought it was an excellent babyface with a certain crowd interactions that I don't necessarily want to waste time getting into. But those of you that watch the, sh- the show, the match, know what I'm talking about. thought he handled that very well. Um, and both guys worked very hard. Took some big bumps. And it just came across very, very well. Um, not necessarily a classic world title match, but a good one. Taven retains, hitting a second climax as Shelley kicked out of the first one. Afterwards, Taven grabs the mic, starts cutting a promo, saying, I beat this guy, I beat this guy, I beat this guy. And Roosh's music hits. He did not explicitly challenge Taven for the world title, but obviously that's where this is going. He didn't come to promo, he didn't grab a mic. Just came out and looked intimidatingly at Matt Taven, who scurried from the ring. So the rumors, the suggestions that others had made about Roosh challenging Taven at Final Battle look to be true. Don't know if they will stretch it out that long or if that will be their rematch or what. But certainly looks to be the angle they are going to. Which made all the sense of the world based on Roosh's booking this whole year. I don't know if Roosh is the guy to turn things around. I think he's a good worker. I think in the U.S. he might be better positioned as an upper mid-card guy instead of a top guy. I just don't know if his certain type of charisma connects with U.S. audiences, as suggested by others, like Dave Meltzer. I don't know. We will see. I would love to be proven, proven wrong. I'd love for Roosh to turn business around. But we'll see. We will see. Shelly looks great in his return. I, um, from what I understand, this is not a one-off. I hope it's not a one-off. I think he's a good experienced hand for this company. Again, not a hot act, not a buzzworthy act. Not at this stage in his career. Um, again, this is something where Fring of Honor, like, I still think he's a good signing as is, but if Fring of Honor had hotter acts up top, I would be so much higher on the signing as, like, perfect and stellar as, like, this veteran hand that can help some of the mid-carters, some of the younger guys. So, but regardless of the circumstances, Alex Shelley's never really, you know, a bad person to have on your roster. Next, we get to the main event. The brutal main event is the Briscoes versus G.O.D. for the Ring of Honor Tech titles. The Briscoes retain the tag titles over G.O.D. in this insane ladder war that had like 15 minutes of these guys just beating the shit out of each other before a single ladder was climbed. Which worked. I know some people complain about the psychology of that ladder match, but for me, I was okay with it. Because it's like, if you're going into this match and your game plan is, hey, listen, when you get caught at the top of the ladder by your opponent... That's like the worst thing can happen to you. Because then you're taking like a 10 foot drop. So hard to recover. So like in kayfabe, that psychology totally works for me. And both these teams just came with the same psychology of, hey, listen, we really don't like this other team. So we want to beat the shit out of them, first of all. And secondly, it's smarter to ensure that they absolutely can't touch us once we climb the ladder. So let's go ahead and do that game plan instead. So in kayfabe, that psychology totally works for me. Don't understand when people complain about it. Because the risk of getting caught in a ladder is big. 
And so you want to do your best to ensure that doesn't happen. So if that means waiting 15, 20 minutes to climb a ladder because you want to make sure they're down, that makes sense to me. Don't know why people climb that out or say they're being nonsensical because they're not going for the win. Motherfucker, they don't want to get caught up top and end up losing because of that. The psych works for me. I'll get off that pedestal. But the shit beating that they were doing to each other was insane. The table spots, the blood, the chair shots, the millions of bumps they took on the floor. This was intense. This was rough and tough stuff. I really liked it. I hope everyone's okay. Obviously, the match just ended a couple hours ago for me. So, and I haven't really been on Twitter enough to see any reports. Um, so I hope everyone's okay from it and there aren't any injuries. Um, but I am sure all four of these guys are going to feel it tomorrow. They all worked really hard. Um, I don't want to... Listen, I'm not saying G.O.D. didn't work hard because they obviously did. It took a lot of bumps. But the Briscoes were definitely taking a little bit more punishment in this match. Um, besides some of the brutal spots, there were some creative spots as well with the ladder, the closed ladder leaning from the outside of the ring, leaning on the top rope and Tamatanga running up that leaning ladder and delivering a stun gun to one of the Briscoes, I can't remember which, who was climbing up the ladder, off the ladder, pretty fucking nuts, tons of table spots. Um, I really recommend this match to be honest. This is one of the better tag matches, one of the better two-on-two tag matches I've seen all year. Um, I don't think it's the best. And when I say one of the better, I definitely think I'm talking top ten, not top five. But still very, very good. Highly recommend this match. So the top three matches, the Luchador six-man, Taven retaining over Shelley, and Briscoe's retaining over G.O.D. in the latter wars, were all very, very good. And overall, I really liked the wrestling on the show. Now, the rumors that Voices of Wrestling have reported, or not even, just lots of people talked about how it seems like G.O.D. legitimately don't want to be in Ring of Honor, and Voices of Wrestling have reported that lots of New Japan folks don't want to work for Ring of Honor. I was reading this match with that lens, and uh, it's definitely the, the whiff, the vibe I got. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I don't have any contacts in either company. And even if I did, I'm sure there would just be bullshit fed to me. But either way, G.O.D. no longer has Ring of Honor titles. Would not be surprised if it's a long time before we see them in Ring of Honor again. And honestly, with the Ring of Honor and New Japan relationship seemingly shaky as is, who knows how much Ring of Honor and New Japan contact there will be in the immediate future. Not even sure how official their partnership is. It might not be that hard to break things off. I don't know how long this will last. Very curious to see. Very curious to see. If it does break off, very interesting choices ahead for Ring of Honor and CMLL, to be honest. Because if New Japan and Ring of Honor break their relationship, I think it's safe to assume that CMLL will maintain both their relationships with both companies. Even though both companies aren't working with each other, doesn't mean CMLL can't work with both companies. So I wouldn't imagine CMLL breaking ties with either. But does Ring of Honor start looking for another Japanese affiliate? I think All Japan would be a good choice. All Japan is in desperate need of a foreign partner, I think. I've gone off on that before. 
on some Tokyo Dreaming episodes. I think if Ring of Honor wanted to lean into more of this technical wrestling, that I think they have plenty of workers already on roster that they can use for that emphasis in company direction. I think All Japan would offer some very good additions to that. Don't know how much drawing that would help do, though. Which really is the company's big, big focus. And honestly, maybe their only focus for a while. New Japan, if they were to break off with Ring of Honor, would they seek a partnership with AEW? Do they, would they not want any U.S. affiliates as they're trying to dive themselves into the U.S. market? Maybe they don't want to partner with anyone in America because they want to be their own brand in America. I don't know. Lots of questions ahead for Ring of Honor. This show had very good wrestling. Some of the angles were fine. Mark Haskins getting pushed. Roosh winning and getting a push. Don't think they're the best choices, but they're good choices. Briscoe's retaining over G.O.D. made all the sense in the world to me. I don't think there was anyone that thought G.O.D. was going to win. I would have been shocked if G.O.D. won. I would have been shocked if uh, Shelley won. So those things I get. But the future of Ring of Honor is fascinating to see. The role it plays in the future U.S. landscape is fascinating to see. And obviously something we here at the Wrestling Landscape and the B-Plus Podcast will keep a hard, hard eye on. Because all this stuff is fascinating. These shifting sands. Who's moving up? Who's moving down? I love that stuff. I love that stuff. And this summer Supercard for Ring of Honor was a step. Up, down, in the middle? I'm not sure yet. Maybe we won't know for a few months. But it was a step. This has been your Wrestling Landscape Review of the Ring of Honor Summer Supercard from Friday, August 9th in Toronto. I am your host, Lance Larson. Thank you so much for listening and take care.